Aldi is hosting National Hiring Week for stores September 12th through the 18th. Over the past several years, we've grown rapidly, expanding from coast to coast. That means more opportunities for you to join our store teams across the country. You'll also benefit from our newly increased wages. During National Hiring Week, qualified candidates will be invited to interview on-site and may receive same-day job offers. Join us and apply online at careers.aldi.us slash radio. Welcome to more. Aldi is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. Industry leading, difference making, tomorrow shaping, world changing. These are a few of the adjectives people use to describe the technologies and companies Deloitte works with day in and day out. Join us, and soon those very same adjectives could describe your career too. Explore technology careers at Deloitte.com slash tech careers and make an impact on business, technology, and society while engineering your future. At Deloitte. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime, who you know and love, is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, it's been an eventful weekend covering the Denver Broncos back at camp. We're tracking this late Sunday, and the Broncos now have two fully padded practices under their belt. And I thought it was interesting on Sunday, which was day four of training camp, Joe Flacco and Derek Wolf. Got into it a little bit, maybe a little friendly trash talking, but uh, I like that Flacco doesn't back down. Yeah, and he kind of went away from his his cool Joe, you know, that even keel persona that he has. And even, I forgot who it was who talked about it, uh, that he never gets mad. It's not just a cliche. That's his personality. He never speaks up. He's very cool, calm, and collected. But when the situation calls for it, I mean, he's not afraid to fire back. And going at someone like Derek Wolf, who's that defensive, you know, that mouthpiece, that trash talker, I like it. I, it, it builds camaraderie on offense, believe it or, believe it or not. Having your teammates back and speaking up for them from the quarterback who is the leader of the offense. I mean, I didn't see Case Keenum doing that last year, Chad. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it was cool. Like, here's what I'll say about Keenum from last year, just real quick, is his little fire-up speeches before each game, those were cool, but you never saw that emotion in any other place. Uh Like, you never saw it on the field. You never saw it in, in camp. And so I like seeing this from Flacco. It's early. But you're kind of going against the alpha in that sense on the other side of the ball. I mean, sure, there are better players on defense than Derek Wolf, but the, you know, the don't ever F with us ethos starts with Derek Wolf. And he even talked about on Friday, you know, hey, this has been great so far. You know, there haven't even been any fights yet in training camp. I haven't gotten into any fights yet. Well, verbal altercation with, with Joe Flacco, I guess we'll have to live with that, you know, get by on that for now. It's almost like being in prison. It's like you go up to the, the biggest, strongest, meanest guy, and you kind of just you beat the heck out of him, and hopefully you can establish dominance. I, not that I would know, just what I've heard. Uh, I think that's what Flacco is doing here. I, I like it. I like the attitude. I like the swagger that he carries. It's not just talked about. It's not just he's resting on his reputation or his past. He's proven that he's a leader of this team, and he's in a fight for his teammates like his teammates fight for him. It's definitely uh, in training camp, as far as it goes, it, it's commendable. We got a lot we're going to get to today. 
tons of, of storylines and topics that have come out of the first few days of training camp. We got a few questions, including a leftover that we missed from a VIP on Friday. We're going to get to that in the Mile High Mailbag today as well. First, though, just really quickly, make sure you are following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. That's the best way for you to stay in touch, keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then if you're on YouTube, don't forget to comment, like, subscribe. All that stuff makes a huge difference. If you like what you hear, share it out. That's a great way to organically support the show. And on iTunes, if you like what you hear, leave us that creative review and a five-star rating. We'd appreciate it. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy-efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. All right, Zach, one thing I want to touch on before, we'll get to the questions here in just a minute, but Juwan Winfrey has been blowing people's minds. Now, you know, he's not exactly dominating the headlines in the in the blogosphere, but everybody I've talked to that's there, everyone who is really paying close attention has been blown away by Juwan Winfrey thus far. And here you got a guy like River Craycraft who... I think before training camp started, both of us were at least, you know, relatively optimistic that he had a good shot at making this roster this year. Well, he's got an oblique injury. He's sidelined for about a week, as you reported. And meanwhile, Juwan Winfrey, I think he's already put him in the dust. I think Winfrey's already put River Craycraft in the rear view. And from what I'm being told, he's gunning for the Deshaun Hamiltons of the world. Like, that's how legit he is. Yeah, I was going to say he's ready to leap over Tim Patrick now because he made quick work of Craycraft. But yeah, I mean, he can work his way up all the way to that number three job. He has had a good camp. And uh, Chad, I'll be the first one to admit, I was not a huge fan of that draft selection. I thought they could have done a lot better in that sixth round. But obviously the Broncos uh, coaching staff and their scouting department saw something from the local prospect. And he's making it uh, you know, worthwhile right now in training camp. He's making tough grabs over the middle, contested catches. Uh, he's working with the first string, second string offenses. He's developing well, uh, learning the playbook. I've, uh, he's definitely been one of the stars of camp. It's still early, and I want to see what he can do in a, in a game, even a preseason game. But for the first four days of camp chat, he is definitely one of the standouts. Yeah, and he has, for the record, received some first-team opportunities, which is, you know, it's not too rare in terms of the way things are shaking out right now because of Emmanuel Sanders' injury and that his he's not quite back yet to, to full participation. But to be able to run with, with Joe Flacco as a guy who started out probably a you know wide receiver six on the depth chart when camp opened up on Thursday, like he's right in that conversation now with Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick, and uh, who knows? I mean, the the number fifteen, as for, uh, you know, for the Denver Broncos in the last ten years of of the organization, 
it has some, uh, you know, it has some juice. You know, you had, of course, Tim Tebow was a quarterback, but before him, that's the number, of course, most fans can remember Brandon Marshall rocking before he eventually left to, you know, for, for greener pastures or whatever. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But I've heard nothing but good things about Winfrey so far. Yeah, and, and regardless of how his title shakes out, I mean, it's obvious at this point, Chad, he's locked into a spot on the 53. Uh, if they keep five, he's locked, and obviously if they keep six, he's a lock. But yeah, he's working his way up fast right now, and him getting first-team reps – it is, like you said, it's not too surprising, but it does show that the coaches have at least some sort of initial trust in him to throw him in there with that, uh, the Suttons of the world, Emmanuel Sanders, when he's on on the field and, and participating. It's a big confidence boost for a young player, and if he continues working at it and, and continues developing as they think he could, I mean, who knows? You can see him being the, the wide receiver three this season and creating a whole other set of red zone mismatches with all the other tall receivers in that group. Yeah. Last thing I'll say is what has really set him apart. I mean, obviously, he's got natural talent and ability. That's why he's in the NFL. But what has really impressed people is his work ethic and already his, you know, approach. It's like he's already got a pro type of approach. So that's going to continue to serve him well, and let's just hope he stays healthy. Now, another thing I want to talk about here before we get to some of the questions today is the comment that Vic Fangio made about Drew Locke This came after day two of training camp, so this was after Friday's practice. Vic Fangio kind of threw a curveball, made some headlines. I'll, I'll go ahead and read the quote instead of playing the clip, but here's exactly what Vic Fangio said when asked about, you know, how's Drew Locke doing? And here's what he said, quote, His college offense really had no carryover to pro offenses, and he was under duress a lot of times at his college, so a lot of his plays he was running around. I don't think he's far along being an NFL-ready quarterback as he could have been. That's what I mean when he's got to get ready. He's not a quarterback yet. He's a hard-throwing pitcher that doesn't know how to pitch yet. So the faster he gets that, the better off he'll be and will be. Close quote. So, Zach, here he is drafted in the second round. He's a quarterback. He's got the SEC's all-time single-season touchdown record. He's not a quarterback yet. He's right. I, I don't disagree with anything he said there. Arm talent is great, and that got him by in college, but it's you can't rest on that in the NFL. He's not going to beat any defenses, including Denver's defense in practice, relying on arm talent or arm angles or physical talent alone. He needs time. He needs to mature. He needs to let his progressions catch up and, and go through his development and let his brain catch up to his arm. And that's going to take a while. It's not going to be an overnight process. Chad, a couple months ago, he was struggling with the huddle in rookie minicamp. I mean, this guy has a long way to go. He has at least a year to learn. So Fangio's right. He can throw the ball good. He can throw the ball strong and fast, but he's not a complete quarterback yet. He doesn't have that mental wherewithal. He doesn't have that experience. He hasn't made mistakes that he hasn't failed and, and learned from that. When he does, he will be. And so I, I totally understand what Fangio's saying, and I agree with it. Well, the pretense that that he's the number three quarterback on this team. I mean, that should be dispensed with like ASAP because Kevin Hogan has increasingly each day gotten worse for the Denver Broncos. In fact, you know, you could maybe argue day four, he was, you know, basically treading water, but from day one to day two to day three, each day he got worse, throwing picks left and right, taking sacks in camp left and right, throwing in the dirt at guys' feet left and right. Meanwhile, and here's the thing that I'll say just to play devil's advocate to Vic Fangio here. Meanwhile, most of the big plays, the oohs and ahs plays that have happened in training camp thus far, haven't come off the right arm of Joe Flacco. They come off the right arm of Drew Locke. So, yes, he is 
raw, right? He is. He still needs to let his his brain catch up to his natural talent. And Rich Gangarello talked about that following day four of practice that, you know, he's still got to master the little things. And, and he had a great quote, in fact, that I'll get to here in just a minute. But the talent's there, dude. Like right now, if just from what we've seen in the first four days, like I'm confident that if something happened to, to Joe Flacco in the middle of the season, you know, there's going to be a lot of situations that Drew Locke would run into that are going to be uncharted waters. He's going to bump his head. But the Broncos offense is still going to be able to make some plays and move the ball if Drew Locke is the quarterback. Now, it'll probably come with its fair share of picks and turnovers and all that, but such is the fair for, you know, young quarterbacks transitioning to the NFL. He's had a very strong start to training camp. Yeah, day four was a weird day for the Broncos, uh, day four on Sunday, because Hogan had his best practice. He threw a touchdown to Noah Fant. He drilled it through two uh, defenders in the end zone. Just a strike. He had some other nice throws. And whereas Drew Locke, who's been good to this point, Chad, as you said, he threw two picks today, uh, one that he it was a similar throw to Fant that he couldn't get through, and I think uh, Will Parks picked it off. So it's going to be ups and downs. It's going to be topsy-turvy. And like Fangio said, this this battle is not going to be decided until after maybe the second preseason game. So they have about a month to go before any decision comes down. And But Locke has been, as a rookie, you know, a high-profile gunslinger looks in his first year. At times, he'll take your breath away, and the next throw, he'll make you scratch your head and wonder how he even got to this point. But it's been way more good than bad from Drew Locke. You can see the arm talent on display. Uh, you can see the energy he brings to the huddle in the field. It reminds me of Chad Kelly last year, where whenever he stepped on the field, that Denver offense was just energized. They didn't have it under Case Keenum. So they have something in him. Uh, Drew Locke, he will be the number two as far as I'm concerned. But right now, I agree with Vic Fangio. He still has a ways to go, and he can't just lean on making a good throw every now and then. He has to be a complete player and a complete quarterback. Everybody that I've talked to that's been at Dove Valley each and every day thus far, when I've asked them, so, you know, which one of these rookies is jumping out to you? Who's impressing you the most? Without fail, it's Drew Locke. Now, I mean, the answer. Now, here's the thing, though. I mean, obviously, you expect the quarterback to, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tougher job on one hand. So when they do succeed, you know, it, it's even that much more apparent that they're doing something right. But on the other hand, you know, you're right. He needs, he needs to take some time and, and not feel the pressure, which is probably why Vic Fangio is kind of dragging his feet, even though it seems obvious beyond measure that he's the the next best quarterback on this roster behind Joe Flacco, they're going to kind of take their time and make him fight for it, make him earn it, you know, continue to have to earn it instead of going, oh, you know, we've seen two or three or four days of practice. We're going to go ahead and make a switch right now. They're going to wait and make him continue to fight and uh, earn it. But it won't. It's only a matter of time. And this is something that we've been trying to tell people since before camp even started. Once he hits the field, that natural talent is going to rise to the surface. So it's been cool to see that. Now, let me just read this quote because – when Rich Gangarello talks about mastering the little things for Drew Locke, here's what he means. Quote, let's take a quarterback, for example. You want to go out, work on your fundamentals. You want to work on your feet, and you want to work on different things that we're trying to improve as a player. But when you go under center, you can't think about those things. You've got to think about the snap points, the play call, the cadence, the coverage, all the things that you're faced with. You're not thinking about fundamentals. So being able to make that who you are, without being live, and then translating it takes work. We've seen that he flashes that already from other OTAs to now. The composure, the feet, and all that. It'll be a process for all the guys we've had. It's kind of the way it works. It was a process for Joe Flacco. And now now that he is 10 years in, it's pretty easy for him. 
but it's part of the deal, close quote. So that's exactly it. You know, that's why Drew Locke has been, even when he was away from the Broncos facility over the, the dead period of the summer, Zach, he was working with a quarterback's coach on his fundamentals so that when he's out there and he's having to juggle things like a playbook, reading coverage, snap counts, cadences, and all those things, it becomes a second nature, subliminal type of, of thing, staying to, you know, uh, discipline to your fundamentals and technique instead of thinking about it and keeping it on the front of your brain. That's when things tend to go south for quarterbacks. Yeah, you know, Scans is spot on here. And, and Elway told us this months ago when Locke was drafted that he needs time to work on his technique. And Elway even singled out his footwork. It takes time. That got him by at Missouri. It's not going to get him to that next level in the NFL, the level the Broncos want him and need him to be as the hopeful franchise quarterback. But look at the two guys they name drop, Chad, who they compare Drew Locke to. Brett Favre and Patrick Mahomes. Two guys who... I learn. I mean, two situations go in the transition from Alex Smith to Mahomes and you have from Favre to Rodgers. That's the transition the Broncos want to have. It's not going to be overnight. Elway should have learned with Paxton Lynch not to throw a quarterback, a high-profile raw quarterback, into the fire. Let him sit as long as possible. You're all in on Joe Flacco for a reason. Take the pressure off Drew Locke. Let him sit and learn, and you will get a better result. So uh, I, I love and I'm encouraged by the fact that Fangio and Scangarello, the two coaches with the most influence in the building who have Elway's ear, also adopt that philosophy. Because if they could just be patient with Drew Locke, they really have something. Another thing we should talk about real quick before we go to break is the idea that, you know, behind, there's a lot of hand-wringing that the offense has been sucking it up. And while that's true, I mean, they did have a bounce-back day on day four. While that's true, fans really need to understand that these these environments, especially early training camp, and especially early training camp with a new coaching staff, always, without fail, favors the defense. And the biggest reason why behind that is in, in the off-season training program, OTAs, you know, you've got whatever it is, uh, 12 practices. I might be off on that number exactly. But each practice involves an install, okay? And they get these the, the system, the playbook, the formations, all this stuff. They install it in OTAs. And then when they start training camp – they go through the offense and reinstalls, okay? The first, let's say, seven to ten practices are reinstalling everything that they learned to hone it down, get it down in time for the first preseason game. Meanwhile, for the defense, they're seeing the same formation, play after play after play after play. So then finally the fans and the media show up to watch practice at training camp, and they see that the defense has the upper hand and that they're winning the matchups and, you know, not giving much ground. And they go, oh, geez, man, here we go again. It's just another, you know, the offense is going to suck. Now, I'm not making any grand proclamations or bold predictions on the offense, but what I'm getting at is that's how it's – I mean, that's just a natural result of the way this works. Now, once they have this, you know, the, the, the playbook more installed and Scangarello's confident that everyone's got that down, then once they start running team period, once that's, you know, controlled and mastered – in team periods, Zach, that's when you'll start seeing Scangarello actually calling plays to try and, you know, stymie and, and confound the defense and gash him. And not that he's not trying to do that now, but the way he's having to go about doing it, the defense can read it because they've seen it so many times up to this point. You know, Chad, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And um, I'm surprised at, you know, I saw the same reactions you've seen. I'm surprised at the indignation about how, where the offense is at this point. It, from the dawn of time, since time immemorial, the defense is always ahead of the offense at this point in the offseason. It's just always been the case. You can go back years. It's just, 
Um, it's just always been the trend, and it's not surprising that the Broncos are following that, especially with all those new moving parts on offense and a defensive-minded head coach in place and a whole new operation. So it's going to take time, and where the Broncos' offense is hurt is, what, like you touched on, Chad, with the CBA and the, and the NFL's rules, they took away the physicality. There's no two-a-days, uh, limited contact practices. That hurts the offensive line. That hurts the big guys up front. That hurts the offense as a whole more so than the defense. That might explain why they're ahead right now, the defense. But it'll take some time once the games start rolling around and the practice uh, starts increasing and the pads go on. They start to hit some people. Then you'll start see it start to catch up. But what you also have to keep in mind, this Denver defense is really good, too. I mean, they're going to give offenses fits. So if they're confounding the Broncos offense, you can look at it half glass full or half glass empty. They're going to be that good this year, too. I mean, honestly, what I'm more worried about up to this point is the right side of the offensive line. And I'm talking about Jawan James. I'm talking about Ronald Leary, who have up to this point really struggled in team period, letting pressure in. The tackles, I mean, Bowles has actually looked better than Jawan James has thus far. Except when he's on second Flacco. Yeah, I, right. He had that one, you know, uh, facepalm moment in which Demarcus Walker punked him, turned him around, and Garrett Bowles ended up basically sacking Flacco himself, running into his quarterback, but kind of similar to that move that Demarcus Ware put on uh, Joe Staley in that Niners game back in 2014. But anyway, I'm more worried about that right side of the offensive line, but not in a real sense. It's still too early. I mean, they're only two days into into pads. And it, that's another thing that's favored the, the defense is they didn't even have pads on. And when you run play action, you can't fully sell play action without pads in contact. If the full measure of contact is not is taken away in a play action on a play in which you're faking it, you're not going to be able to to get the defense like you normally would. You're not going to be able to convince them or sell them that it's that it's a run. And and so there's just a lot of things. Right now everyone just needs to pump the brakes on worrying too much about the offense. Quarterbacks, you know, you can analyze the quarterbacks I think fairly Zach with a little bit more nuance. You know, if Flacco's having a tough day, he's probably having a tough day and you know, he needs to get better and and same with with Drew Locke. Kevin Hogan, I mean, I've already basically, you know, I don't like jumping to conclusions, but in this case, this guy's not making the roster. He's not. He might not even last this summer because Vic Fangio was even talking about it on Sunday. You know, we have four quarterbacks right now. Most teams don't have four quarterbacks, and he, did, he wasn't saying anything disparaging about Kevin Hogan per se, but he did say some really nice things about Brett Rippon and mentioned that the Broncos are kind of, you know, bucking uh, the, the convention right now around the NFL and rostering four quarterbacks. I'm not sure beyond the first one, maybe two preseason games, that continues. I think if if Hogan does continue on this trajectory of just fair to middling to just being craptastic, in fact, half the time, the Broncos have no reason to keep him. They can, you know, give those reps to Drew Locke. And that's the biggest thing you got to worry about right now is when Kevin Hogan is not only failing in his reps, it's hurting the other 10 players that he's running on that second team, and it's taking reps away from Drew Locke. So that, that should be something that's on the front of the coaches' minds at this point, I would think, Zach, with how bad Kevin Hogan has been. Yeah, I mean, this kind of ties into my general philosophy about training camp. I don't get too high on it. I don't get too low on it. In the end, nothing really matters. A couple months from now, no one will even remember these practices, Chad. So if Flacco has a great day, great. If he has a bad day, great. It doesn't matter. When the pads go on and the game starts to count, especially in the regular season, the offense will start to catch up pieces will start falling into place. Drew Locke will be better further along. And I'm with you. I don't see any way 
especially with how he's come out and all these interceptions, I don't see any way Hogan makes the 53. Uh, Locke will catch up to that. And you'll see, Broncos fans who are being a little impatient right now and want instant results, instant gratification, you got to wait. It will come in the regular season. Now is the time. And the Broncos offense and some of the players would tell you this. Now is the time to make these mistakes and fix these problems, not in September. All right, we still have a lot we want to get to. We're going to answer some questions in the mailbag today. First, though, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy-efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, Zach, let's take a quick peek inside the Mile High Mailbag. We are your football priests, and each and every week we're here to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. Sometimes, you know, some weeks it might just only be Friday we answer questions. Depending on what's going on in Broncos country, we might take questions, you know, every day of the week. But we got plenty in the mailbag for today that obviously there's a lot on guys' minds. But let's start with this one that I missed, My Bad Stuart, from the VIP uh, mailbag last Friday. Stuart is a VIP subscriber at milehighhuddle.com. He's been one going on three months. Here's what he had to say. This time of year, I like to evaluate the rookies. This time I watched some Draymond Jones, and I have to say, the Jones and Justin Hollins duo on defense could compare to the Sutton and Hamilton combo in terms of getting two great players on the same side of the ball that make an impact quick. From watching Jones, I saw his obvious explosiveness, acceleration, and desire to get the sack. I also noticed his leverage and hand usage was better than he gets credit for. He seemed to have a great swim move and a great rip, even some lateral quickness. One time even juked a guy out of returning a fumble for a touchdown. It looks like he has the tools to excel as an interior pass rusher. With that said, what made him last to the third round is my question. I know this year was where most of his production came from, but this was the case with Quinnen Williams. Not saying he's Williams level, but when watching him, he does look like a late first round, early second round prospect. Any idea what weakness or whatnot made him last all the way to round three? What do you guys think of his game and particularly his take, his technique? Thanks, Priest. Well, thank you for the question, Stuart. Here's what I, I've been told about why he was still on the board in the third round. Basically, it's a similar thing as Demarcus Walker, except that in Demarcus Walker's case, he was overdrafted. Draymond Jones wasn't, and that is that he's kind of a tweener. You know, he's not quite big enough to be a five-tech defensive end, like full-time defensive end in a 3-4, and he's not quite twitchy and quick enough to be an an edge rusher. So he's kind of a weird in-between guy is, is basically what it comes down to. And Zach, I did some digging on Jones over the weekend, not even realizing that Stewart's question had to do with Draymond Jones. And what I've been told is that there hasn't really been anything of note yet from Jones. He's kind of been lost in the shuffle, and that's not the worst thing. I mean, he's he's a rookie himself, and even uh, Dalton Reisner, 
following Saturday's practice, talked about you know the scales falling off his eyes once the pads went on in terms of just how much better each guy he goes against in a drill or in team period is compared to college. You know, these guys are used to dominating their, their competition at the college level. You know, you go from 500-something teams in college football to 32 teams in the NFL, the elite of the elite. And so for Draymond Jones, he's playing catch-up, uh, you know, learning the NFL, learning his scheme, learning in the playbook and all that, while also acclimating to the speed of the game, the power, the technique, the knowledge that his opponents have. So, Zach, I haven't heard anything good yet about Draymond Jones. Nothing bad either. It's just kind of been quiet on the Western front. Yeah, some players take take longer than others. Some players are going to remain neutral, and, and fans shouldn't freak out yet if they have any Demarcus Walker flashes in their mind. The Broncos are in very good hands with their coaching staff, especially on the defensive line. The thing with Jones, though, is he's not a complete defensive lineman. He's not great against the run. He's more of a pass rusher, and that's where I stop short of that Sutton and Hamilton analogy. Those are both immediate contributors. I don't think that Draymond Jones is going to have that big of an impact this year. If he has... Uh, you know, three to five sacks, that should be a good success for him, considering he's in a split time with Zach Kerr, Billy Wynn, Shelby Harris, and the sacks will predominantly come from their outside linebackers. So um, he's going to be a, a cog on this defense, but I think more so in 2020 and beyond, kind of like Noah Fant on the offensive side. He's going to be a good player. He was a good selection. And like you said, Chad, he was not overdrafted. He's not a, another um, you know, a potential bust like some people think to Marcus Walker is, but he needs some time. It, it's tough transition. The Broncos defensive scheme, it's complex under Vic Fangio, and it's a whole different thing than what he, he learned under Ohio State. So um, don't don't just give him some patience, give him some time and he will blossom. By the way, since we're on the topic, Demarcus Walker had a hell of a day three at training camp. I mean, he was on fire. Everyone I talked to said, basically that he just came out of nowhere to surprise everybody. And it was interesting because on after day four, I'm trying to think who it was that talked about him. I think it might have been, yeah, it was Ed Donatel. He was asked how Demarcus Walker has looked during camp. He said, quote, I can't compare to other years. I know he's into giving his best shot here. What we like a lot is the way he's hitting blocks in the run game as well. I think he's improving in the rush too. He's off to a good start, close quote. Again, they're from Ed Donatel, the defensive coordinator. Don't, you know, look just yet. But Demarcus Walker, it sounds like he has faced the music, faced the reality of his situation, Zach, and is out to make the most of this new opportunity to impress Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel. It's amazing what happens when you play your natural position with a competent coaching staff, Chad, and, and given that opportunity. It's not surprising to me. You and I have been his... Uh, biggest supporters, it seems like, the last couple years. And uh, I think he has a lot of talent. He had a great career at Florida State. He can be another pass rusher in the middle of this defense and just another weapon for Fangio to use on defense, and he will use him correctly. So to that extent, I am excited that Walker is being, his talents being exploited and his weaknesses are being hidden. And that's the same thing that will happen with Jones. So that alone with Walker and that progression, that should give a, a, a positive indication that Jones is in the right hands in the right place. And one thing that Draymond Jones has going for him that, unfortunately, Demarcus Walker did not as a rookie is he doesn't have asinine coaches asking him to stand up and play outside That's linebacker right. out of the gates. So yep. there, there is that. Now, here's another question here. This comes from Chef M on Twitter, at Chef M Baldwin. He wants to know how Sam Jones is doing. And here's what I've been told about Sam Jones. Reached out to a few people, talked to Benjamin Albright. Um, who just recently took a new job with KOA. Congratulations to Ben uh, on getting that new gig. What a great opportunity. He's got a show, I believe it's every weekday from like 4 to 7 Mountain Time, might be 4 to 8. 
uh, Broncos Country Tonight, I think it's called. So check that out for, for Benjamin Albright, those of you friend of the show. But I asked him about Sam Jones, and basically what he told me is that, you know, nothing really to write home about, but he is running second team as the center. So clearly, Zach, the Broncos have plans on him being the, the backup center should anything happen to Connor McGovern. And it's also kind of, I think, their future failsafe if indeed Connor McGovern, for whatever reason, doesn't re-sign with the Broncos next year, Sam Jones is probably your starting center. Yeah, Sam Jones hasn't made many waves. The real uh, under-the-radar offensive line star of training camp has been uh, Elijah Wilkinson, who was singled out, I believe, twice today by Rich Scangarello. So as a backup type, type he's the the highest, uh, you know, the, the guy they're highest on, the prospect they're highest on. Also, Don Barkley is getting uh, first-team reps at times coming in for Ron Leary as he comes back from that Achilles injury. So not much new on Sam Jones yet. He'll be in the mix. He should have a roster spot, but uh, he's definitely not rising up the depth chart just yet. All right, let's turn to a few questions here from YouTube. Our great community there of listeners. This comes from Ninja Cal 410. He says, Califani Muhammad, pardon my spelling, looks like a sleeper. Now, this is a running back for those who don't know, whose play is similar to the way Philip Lindsay plays as a short, agile uh, running back with burst and sustained speed. What would the running back core look like if he surpasses Booker Muhammad? Is there any trade value in Booker? If the Broncos choose to be only three deep at running back, if not, do you think they could keep four with the talent we have at fullback? Zach, I haven't heard anything yet about Muhammad. What I've been hearing is that Devontae Jackson, an undrafted rookie, has been turning heads. Yeah, that's that's the guy right there, Chad. If there's anyone who's going to usurp uh, Devontae Booker, it's going to be Devontae Jackson. Uh, I've heard nothing about even Booker, actually, hasn't made many uh, headlines so far. It's been Philip Lindsay predominantly stealing the show, of course, and Freeman working behind him. But yeah, uh, Muhammad, he has a very, very uphill battle. This this room is just stacked right now. Maybe a shot on the practice squad, but even then, uh, like we're saying, Devontae Jackson has been the star because he has re- versatility on specials as a kick returner, very explosive guy in the backfield. So that that's the one guy to keep an eye on is uh, Devontae Jackson. For what it's worth, I think you could maybe get like a late round conditional pick for Devontae Booker in a trade, but he doesn't maybe. bring the most value on that front because he does have some starting experience. You know, he has been a utility knife for the Broncos over the last three years, but let's face it, running back is an extremely devalued position. But then again, you know, I think the Broncos got a fourth round pick for Capri Bibbs a few years back. So who knows? I mean, Booker's also in a contract year, though, so teams I don't think would give up a pick for him. They can just sign him, and uh, I don't see it happening. I I think Booker ultimately will make the roster. He'll be the third running back, and it'll be status quo for them. I don't think uh, a trade is imminent. All right, next question here comes from Josie Fernandez on YouTube. Thoughts on the 2019 draft class and college free agent signings? Um, Here's something we should talk about. This just reminded me is that Sunday, day four – Noah Fant received some love from Rich Gangarello, really giving him some props for his blocking ability. You know, the pads went on the day before. So following day four, they'd had two full days of pads popping, hitting, full contact. And Rich Gangarello was out there giving props to Noah Fant. And that's good, saying that he's an excellent blocker, to use his exact phrase uh, and, and word choice there. However, what I've been told mostly is that Noah Fant has not really stood out yet. That he hasn't looked that good. I know there's been some questions, even maybe a little bit about him struggling with altitude or maybe even his conditioning. Don't know for sure on that one, but I think it's one of those situations, Zach, where you just, you know, you can't uh, make any 
uh, conclusions this early. You know, let him continue to get in where he fits in. Let him continue to kind of, you know, go through the trial by fire. And I think once you get to the real live game situations where you know the Broncos are against outside competition, that's I think the where I'm going to wait to start making any kind of conclusions on how Noah Fant's looking. Yeah, I mean, he was always going to be, I think, a future pick, Chad. I mean, the, the people who thought he was going to be, I mean, a future pick as in he's going to contribute in the future. He's not going to be a pro bowler in year one, barring some explosion. There's too many veteran players ahead of him that they can rely on to get by. And he has kind of struggled. He's not gonna, With the physicality of the game, the speed of the game, uh, the coaches have been instructing him to be more physical and, and bowl some people over and, and dish out the punishment, not just absorb it. He has to learn all that. It's not Iowa anymore. Denver is a far, far away away. So um, it's uh, 2020 is the year to circle for fan as, as in terms of a, a fantasy player, a potential pro bowler, a starter. It's going to take a little while. He's in the same boat as Drew Locke. Give him some time. You'll get a good player. And part of the problem that he's faced with is that he's playing on suddenly a really productive and stacked tight end depth chart. Like there's guys around him are making plays, including Troy Fumagalli, who's been banged up the last two days with a hip. But Fumagalli has looked really good. The other uh, rookie tight end who's undrafted, Austin Fort, has been making a lot of hay with Drew Locke on the third team. So, you know, he's just in a situation, too, where he's not – he's used to stepping on the field, all due respect to TJ Hawkinson, and believing he's the best tight end on the team or even on the field, right? And in this case, you know, his his confidence I don't think is quite there yet, you know, because he's just like all these rookies – it's, it's a rude awakening when they step out onto the field with full contact going against NFL veterans, speed of the game, physicality, knowledge. All that stuff adds up, and, and it sometimes takes guys a little bit longer to acclimate. So don't jump to any conclusions yet on Noah Fant. And even Vic Fangio on Sunday said that uh, following day four that you know Noah Fant made a couple of eye-popping grabs for him on that he noticed on Sunday, ran with the ball after the catch, and he liked what he saw there. So it's not been all bad by Noah Fant, just – Maybe not quite as great as you'd hope to hear from your first-round pick. But some other rookies who have stood out, we've already talked about Drew Locke. Dalton Reisner has been plugged in at starting left guard and has done nothing but earn positive buzz there. Uh, you go Draymond Jones, we've already talked about him. Uh, Juwan Winfrey is doing really, really well. Phil, I think I'm missing one somewhere along the Hollins. way there. Hollins. Hollins has been banged up. He's another guy similar to Draymond Jones who's kind of – lost in the shuffle been dis- kind of disappeared so to speak going through that learning curve but now he's banged up i think he's nursing a hamstring so that that affects things but he's um you know there there's an opportunity there at, at, at off ball linebacker with todd davis going down but from what it looks like zach alexander johnson is the first guy the broncos just like we told you on friday's episode of how it was going to shake out johnson is the first guy into the fray followed by what i've been told is that joseph jones don't sleep on this dude. He is not only doing well as a, as being around the ball as a linebacker and t- you know tackling and just being a missile, but he's sticking to guys in coverage. He's really acquitting himself well in coverage, which is huge for Fangio. And Josh Watson, the undrafted rookie, yes. he's gotten a few first-string reps. So the Broncos are flush with young inside linebacker prospects. And in terms of Hollins, now that he has an injury, I would just move him to outside linebacker full-time, Chad. Have him learn that and just stick to one position. And do not Demarcus Walker this guy. Let him learn one spot. And you have Johnson, Jones, you have all these other players you know, that you can step in and, and fill in for Todd Davis to see if you have 
a potential future starter. I think Dave, this is la- Davis's last season with the team. They want a younger player next to Josie Jewell in the future, and they have a lot of young prospects here. So among the group, they should have a young guy. But Josh Watson, among undrafted rookies, along with Devontae Jackson, and also, of course, uh, Brett Rippon, he's one guy to keep an eye on. Yeah, we've surprisingly heard a lot more about Josh Watson than we have about Joe Deneen, who yep. had a lot more hype going into the into training camp. So, yeah, very interesting, those developments. But I think that pretty much covers the uh, 2019 class of rookies uh, for the most part. Now, this one here comes from D. Brown. He, it's just more of a comment than it is a question. He says, the defense will be solid. Offense needs improvement. I think we've pretty much handled that one for you, D., don't jump to conclusions yet on the offense. Give it a little time and really don't even make any kind of an evaluation until you see them against outside competition. I don't even care what team it is in terms of second team offense, third team offense, whatever. Wait till you see that, that the offense going against outside competition who's not practicing against those formations every day before you jump to conclusions. All right, last question. Then we'll get out of here for today. Comes from Ryan Steinauer on YouTube. He says, what do you think of the NFL trying to go to 18 games? I personally think they should get rid of two preseason games, go up to 17 regular season games, and add a bye week. That way there are no more 8-8 eight and eight records. You either have a winning or a losing record. What do you guys think? Love the show. It is one of my only – and love the show. It is one of my only news source for the Broncos. Okay, thanks, Ryan. I appreciate you, dude. I'm 100% absolutely against the NFL adding two games, going to 18 games. What are your thoughts, Zach? I'm a traditionalist. Don't fix what's not broken. 16-game regular season is perfect. The only thing is I would cut two preseason games. It's much too long now. I mean, the Broncos have five this year, so it's just ridiculous with the injuries and all the stuff happening. Uh, yeah, but I'm good with 16 games. I would not change it. It's just, But if they do, it's Goodell just doing what he does best and, and fixing what's not broken, so it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, it's just already such a war of attrition for the players. If you want to maintain quality of the product, I think you just got to – that's just one way. I'm, you know, look, they're trying to find ways to increase revenue, the owners and the commission, and I get that. Okay, more power to you. But there are other ways to do that besides adding games to the slate, and maybe even you add another round of playoffs. Like I could live with that more so than adding two regular season games to the schedule. And actually, you know, Zach, one more from Twitter. This comes from Jaron Ross on Twitter at Chief J R J Run Bone. Uh, however, that is on uh, Twitter. He says. Something tells me Sua Cravens will have a good year, and I still want to see if we can improve. he can improve guarding the tight end. I assume he means the Broncos as well there. Here's the good news, you guys. I've been talking to people, asking around about Sua Cravens. So far, he's been impressive to people who have been there every day watching practice, watching every snap and rep. So that's good. <laughs> that's an improvement for him. That, that, that's Mark's progress. And he did have a good Friday practice, Chad, uh, working in with the defense. But he still has a long way to go. And DeMonte Thomas today actually had an interception, I, th- I believe, of uh, – I believe it was Kevin Hogan. But he had an interception, and he's you know a, a player there. Jamal Carter's a player there. Trey Marshall's a player there who's been singled out uh, a few times. So Sua Craven still has an uphill battle, but anything he does in practice will definitely help his odds. Well, hey, great episode. Thanks for all the questions, you guys. We're going to be back tomorrow with a fresh pod to cover the events of day five of Broncos training camp. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter at Kelberman247, myself at Chad and Jensen. Make sure you're subscribing on iTunes. Make sure you're subscribing on YouTube. However you consume the show, don't forget to subscribe so you get notified each and every time we drop a podcast. 
For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.